it's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest, well, I told you last week that the guest this week would have been just Jim Hawking, but I decided to put out this episode uh, to correspond with the song that the guest, Shield V of Bad Rabbits and Irrepressed Fame, uh, Bad Rabbits are dropping a new single, or a cover, I should say, today, February 14th, Valentine's Day 2018. I did this chat with Shield uh, about a month ago at this point. And I've been kind of sitting on it uh, just because some of the other episodes I had in front of it uh, and did shortly after this one uh, were a little more time sensitive. Like the Jim Hawking one needed to come out before their record. The King Gordy one was to push the record that's coming out. Uh, So it's just one of those things where some of these episodes were a little bit more time sensitive. And even though I know I said that uh, the Jim Hawking one was going to be this week's episode, well, I fucking lied, and I can do that. <laughs> so uh, I guess those two episodes were for that week, and the uh, this week's episode will be with Shield DeV of Bad Rabbits and Era Press fame. Um, I have loved Bad Rabbits because of Era Press. Shield was the drummer of Era Press, very much like he's the drummer of Bad Rabbits. Um, as you have heard me probably say on this podcast a handful of times, mainly the Deftones chats with uh, Fallon, where I have talked about the Bad Rabbits cover of Sex Tape and how I love it, and it's really right up there with the original song itself. Um, So enough of the tagging (laughs) of Bad Rabbits across various social media and such. And I reached out to the band finally and tried setting up this chat. Shield got back to me right away, and I think within maybe a day of everything, like, it was, this chat was happening. Um, What's interesting about this, though, and what's, it's very serendipitous a lot of times when I get to talk to a lot of people is, you know, I will have one encounter with somebody and usually there's just kind of something about that that is interesting that people kind of remember. Like you'll hear uh, right in the very beginning of my conversation with uh, Shield that, you know, he, he mentions that I look familiar and uh, when he would have met me a hand probably shit at this point, uh, almost fought 10 years ago, I was a lot smaller and less tattooed and so forth. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is you know, I was at a very intimate house show, uh, probably about maybe 30, 40 of us. And what's interesting, and as we kind of get into in the conversation, is how that house show and the stuff with the repress shapes so many relationships, whether it be business working uh, stuff or, you know, relationships that Sheil ends up and the rest of the dudes in, in Bad Rabbits would end up, you know, using or... Uh, working people that they end up working with it's just interesting to see how far like you know that small time in your press and, and basically that kind of tour shapes so much of what bad rabbits would it be able to accomplish and it, it's kind of weird to, to think about how like such a small moment for for myself you know going to that house show i, I talk about it all the time to people when people want to you know ask me sometimes people i know it's like a weird tangent sometimes you know, people ask, like, why why music? You know, because I, I think what's weird is people who don't really love music the way that I do, the way it speaks to me, the way it makes me feel. I can put on a song, and I'm able to just, you know, get lost in it. 
And I remember I can still, if I close my eyes and think about that house show, I may not be able to remember, you know, all the music being played and all that kind of stuff. But I can I can go back there. I can see the the visuals of the lights on the on the light wooden floor and the the way that the room was kind of like a a semicircle, like a half circle, because it jutted out uh, where the living room was, and just all this band gear and you know the lights were dimmed and the, the like I said like the three floor lights like the LED lights in front of in front of the band there were no microphones, but everything sounded it sounded better than almost any venue I've ever been in. Uh, as far as the mixing of this stuff. And it's just literally the live instrumentation and the band, you know, two, three feet in front of us. And, you know, to me, that's when music and going to see live music is it's most powerful when there's no bullshit. There's no dude mixing the sound like, oh, well, someone fucked up. I'm going to bury that in the mix or, you know, playing to tracks and shit like that. It's just the fucking band in you. And there's nothing to hide behind. And, ah. Uh, God, it's just so fucking great. That's the great thing about music, and I, I love it so much. And, you know, the dudes in Era Press and Shield and those dudes, you know, they they gave me a memory that I, I just will always have and I will always love. And, you know, I ha still haven't gotten a chance to see Bad Rabbits yet. 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 But um, that house show basically spurned so much because one of our mutual friends, Austin Keen, uh, who now runs uh, a small boutique label called Mind Over Matter Records. You'll hear us talk about that uh, in this chat as well. The whole reason that, that the relationship between Bad Rabbits and and Mind Over Matter has become a thing is because of that house show. Um, and that even goes back further to the band that they were on tour with was on a smaller label that's out here in Michigan called uh, Saw Her Ghost Records. Uh one of Austin's bands was on it, and Austin uh, did a lot of stuff with that label. So, you know, it's just really weird. Like, I can think of that one instance where, you know, a, f a couple of us all, you know, saw this band that happened to be on tour and the the lifelong impact it's had on on at least three of us, between Shio, myself, and Austin. Uh, then there's even, you know, the, the connection to another mutual friend within the vinyl community because Bad Rabbits are one of those, those bands, and he repressed was too, that focused on putting out quality, interesting vinyl packages. And so as a result, uh, someone that I have kind of gotten to know over a handful of years uh, due to booking Harvard, uh, when that band was still an active band, uh, is Ross Shotland of Enjoy the Ride Records. And he's intertwined with Bad Rabbits having put out American Love uh, a while back. So it's just, uh, it's really it's really crazy. I feel like this was a long time coming just because of how impactful, like I said, this house show was to at least two of us, you know, between Austin and myself, and I guess Shield, so three of us, and uh, just, you know, it was really great getting to talk with Shield. and the interesting thing was, uh, a lot of times when I do these interviews, I like to kind of quickly run through the questions I have, just in case the guest is like, nah, I'm not really feeling that question, or yeah, I can't talk about that, um, I mean, you never know what someone is or is not willing to talk about, I don't really typically tell anyone until right as we're getting ready to record, because uh, I'm still working on my line of questions and the narrative I'm trying to come up with, and the thing is, is I kind of hit on like two questions I was going to ask. And then Shield just went for like an hour. And oddly enough, like, you know, we ended up discussing a lot of the things I was going to ask, but I didn't have to ask. And I didn't have to like, well, what I'm trying to get to is this. So I think this is like really one of the more interesting 
podcasts I've done where I I really just let the person go um, and let them tell their story. And it was really great. She was very, very forthcoming with a lot of stuff. Like, Bad Rabbits have kind of been uh, MIA lately, and it really sucks. And I, I kind of was, you know, in, in, in light of actually Harvard that I just mentioned, uh, more or less by all accounts, band's done. Uh, they are not you know, obviously performing, there was no, no press release saying, Hey, we're done. Uh, the band just kind of ceased to exist. And, uh, another project, uh, foreign air has two of the members between Jesse and, uh, Lee, the guitar player from Harvard in it. And they're, you know, doing really well right now, like having playing with a lot of great bands, uh, and so forth. And I'm actually hoping to maybe get Jesse on if he would, uh, be so gracious to give me some time to talk to him about everything. But, Back to Bad Rabbits, um, they basically put out, you know, American Love, which was kind of a, a bit of a, not a departure, but just a little bit of a, a different kind of vibe that the band was going for, more, uh, I don't know, I kind of talk about it in the episode, and then they put out American Nightmare, and just tonally, it's it's so different, and uh, then the band just kind of went away for the last like year or so, and it was one of those where there was so much buzz and hype you know like they were getting on great shows they were getting on you know a couple of dates on a tour that was really good and then just kind of went away uh we kind of get into why that had been going on what's been going on with the band what's been going on with shield uh since the band's kind of been a little inactive as of as of lately uh but there is a whole lot of information in this episode as well about the future going ons with bad rabbits in 2018 more to the point of why I'm dropping this episode today on Valentine's Day 2018. So stay tuned to the very end of this episode, and I will give you more information on that. Let's get to my chat with Shield DeVee of Bad Rabbits. There we go. Is that better? Good, man. <laughs> Technology, gotta love it. Yo, have we met before? Yeah. Uh, I I was gonna bring this up. Um, you played at uh, my friend Kelly's house when you were doing the Irrepress tour with uh, uh, what's it? <laughs> Glassfield. That's crazy. And then I think that's how you ended up meeting Austin, which is how I think before you even oh. had Mind Over Matter, because that was the same same night. I was like, yo, why did this dude have a Coliseum poster in the background? Um, <laughs> I, I was like, I've, I've met this this guy somewhere. But yeah, anyway, what's up, dude? Not much. So I was listening to the um, the new Bad Rabbits album actually just now. So we had to we had to uh, read. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk about that after this issue. Yeah, I didn't, because I kind of asked him, because I figured, uh, interestingly enough, like, I know Ross uh, Shotland, who enjoy the Ride Records, <clears throat> I know he uh, uh, did, what was it, the some of the other American, American Love, Love. Yeah. yeah, but I know as a whole, like, 
basically you've worked with Austin on like everything. So I was kind of hitting him up and I'm like, Hey, I'm talking with a shield later, uh, in a couple of weeks or so. And is there anything like, you know, like if I like, cause some people are kind of bad about being like, I don't know what I can talk about, but I got to get it with, with the label person or whatever, which is basically Austin. So I was like, um, ready to talk, man. Huh? A lot to talk about. Yeah. Well, he kind of was like, yeah, he goes, it's funny you're talking to the guy that basically, because of your back problems, is the, the reason that a whole lot can't be, or hasn't been talked about in a while, because uh, they're waiting for you to, yeah. to get healthy. So I was like, okay. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's a lot, there's honestly a lot more to it. Oh, no, I'm, uh, I'm sure. Know, I'm... My back issues are definitely play a major role. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, as you can see, like, yeah, I can see, yeah. patches on my neck, some amino nerve frequency patches. Um, yeah. So I'm in like, I'm in some serious therapy to try to get my back back in shape. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm not, I'm not crippled, you know what I mean? But I right. can't. I want to be able to walk when I'm when I'm older, and I don't want to really fuck my back up more than it is. Right. Um, because just years of touring, you know, being unhealthy, um, <laughs> yeah. being, like took a toll on me. And obviously, genetics too. My dad has a bad back, and my brother has a bad back, so. Our spines weren't really built to, you know, lift heavy gear on the road and like sleep on friends' couches. So all that shit just kind of caught up to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm paying for it now. But luckily, you know, medicine um, and clinicians and, and pain med management, pain pain medicine in general, have come a long way. Um, so there's stuff like stem cell injections and there's injections where they extract your blood and then they concentrate and inject it back in, which helps regenerate. Uh, discs and ligaments so um, I'm just trying to avoid surgery and doing a lot of PT and um, then you know a lot of like breathing and meditation it's definitely took a, a pretty massive effect on my mental health not being able to like perform and do what I really love to do so right. um, but making progress for sure and we're gonna be ready to um, to release music and perform this summer awesome yeah, I uh, initially I wasn't gonna write a lot down because I, I tend to find that when I sort of off the cuff everything, I feel like it goes yeah. a little better. So, hold on, just a second. I, yeah. I unplugged my uh, laptop cable to uh, keep it charged. Um, but I also and, kind uh, of full, full well, of, uh, you know, like, just being completely honest, you know, the I gave the band my blessings to, you know to find another drum replace uh, drummer as a replacement um at least temporarily and you know they made the decision to kind of just uh you know chill out and allow things because there's a lot of stuff that's going on on the on the industry um back end as well as far as like just some bad decisions that we made in the past that are like, sort of coming back to haunt us now um as far as just like the business of music goes yeah so we can talk about that as well I well, I was gonna say all I really was gonna kind of get into was just kind of like your background personally, the influences that got you into drumming, getting into okay. press, uh, talking a little bit about that. Um, for my own knowledge, I just kind of would like to know what the fuck's going on with that because you're like some of these other bands where it's almost like the Asley Dying thing. Like once a year, you're like, hey, we still have this record out, and you're like, oh shit, does that mean like you guys are like coming out or you're just trying to get rid of like the old shit? <laughs> so yeah, uh, and then Bad Rabbits. Um, you know, kind of how did the project come about? Uh, it's it's kind of interesting because, like, in doing a little bit of uh, digging, 
because I try not to like I try to do enough to where I'm not asking the same fucking questions that have been asked like a million times but um, I also kind of have to realize that people who are listening to this potentially don't know much about you guys so I have to kind of like play devil's advocate where I'm like asking questions that I want to know but also asking pretty generic questions too Um, so I was just going to kind of go into like you know with stick up kids like you guys had obviously like a, a lot of different styles kind of going on but something that i felt was more rooted sort of in like the I, I never know if this is like actually like just me putting some shit on it or not but i feel like like one of the definitive kind of like styles that like i feel like was what kind of like a catalyst for the band was like sort of that new jack style like new jack swing kind of stuff from like the early 90s like r&b kind of shit going on like that's sort of like yeah, a, almost yeah. like a catalyst of sorts well we we actually one of our songs is on the radio right now it's called finesse yep number one on the radio right now on the album charts um i don't know if you've heard that song it's actually by bruno mars yeah yeah but but it but it sounds it sounds like something we wrote eight years ago yeah i was Uh, gonna say he basically came out and has like been the only one really kind of carrying the torch for that old like early 90s like r&b that i grew up like because i'm from the east coast initially myself so it's like Like, I, that's kind of the shit, like, when I was sort of getting into music and, like, going to school when people were listening to shit, like, that's what I was hearing. Like, you know, like, I know this sounds cliche now, but it's, like, I remember you're, like, Motown Philly, like, being fucking huge and seemingly being yeah. on it before, like, that came out, like, and blew up. Yeah, man. So, like, the whole New Jack thing was, obviously, we didn't create that style of music, but we made sure when we worked on Stick Up Kids to, um, to really put our own take yeah. on that I guess borrowing of that genre and since we did something unique with it you know it got in the hands of the, the person who actually created the genre new Jack Swing which is Teddy, Teddy Riley. Riley yep so and, I was yeah and I don't want like I'm, I'm not trying to cut you off I just don't so, want to answer honestly, all these yo, things yet <laughs> no no disrespect to Bruno Mars because you know he's an incredible talent and I think and it's crazy because like a lot of people that worked on his new album including the song Finesse um, are people that we worked with on the back end, songwriters and producers. Right. Um, mainly the songwriter in that song, we actually wrote an album with, and that's one of the things we're dealing with right now is like we actually have to scrap that that whole project because of just some some bullshit on the back end. Right. Um, it's really not going into the details. It's just like we're this kind of like minuscule piece of the the music industry, and at one point we were playing the pop game. We were you know we're working yeah. with songwriters, and major producers, and and we just like realized that that is just is not for us. You know, we grew up playing in punk and metal bands, touring in bands. We didn't just like get signed to a label and get th- got thrown on a tour bus and and got thrown on a major tour with a huge producer. Like we, you know, we earned this shit. And I'm, you know, no disrespect to people in the pop world that you know are super successful now, including Bruno Mars, because you know they do what we do. But like, we realized that there's certain things that that we we hold dear to our hearts, you know, songwriting and producing. We have our, our circle of friends and our, and our network of creatives that uh, have worked for us in the past. And at one point we lost sight of that. We thought, okay, cool. All these labels are interested in us. And unfortunately at that time we got laughed at by pretty much every major label that was listening to our music and, and received our album or our songs on their desks. They were like, this is outdated. And then, you know, fast forward eight years till now, you know, we, you hear funk and R&B, like 90s, late 80s, 
early 90s R&B influences all over the radio. So it just kind of shows that it proved to us that we need to really need to stick to our guns and and just do our own thing, not worry about any other any any like what other songwriter, any producer, what anybody else is doing. We just need to like really stick to our guns and this album that we have coming out is a is a testament to that. Um, but to to kind of circle back on Aeropress, um, you know, Aeropress made played a huge role in 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 the evolution of Bad Rabbits because um, so I started playing drums when I was in eighth grade, uh, eighth or ninth grade in high school, and I grew up listening to Indian classical music, and then I was also listening to Indian. Bollywood music, you know, my dad was heavily into, to you know, the classical end of Indian music. My mom was into the Bollywood end of things, more of the pop route. And then, but at the same time, you know, my parents were heavily into Michael Jackson because they were fresh off the boat from India, and and Michael Jackson was just an artist that was. I mean, just, he was everywhere. <laughs> so like, he's like the international artist of a lifetime, you know, yeah. of, just like of ever. Yeah. So. My parents were spinning, you know, Thriller, and my brother and I would play uh, ping pong in our basement, listening to Michael Jackson Thriller on vinyl, and so that was always. So my brother plays bass in Aeropress, and so him and I always grew up listening to, you know, R and B, but also listen to Indian music, um, but we're also heavily into bands like Deftones, Glassjaw. Um, Mashuga, Tool, just all, all these bands that I guess were sort of ahead of their time. Right. And now, you know, like thousands of other bands sound like them now. Um, so our goal was to really, if we were going to start a band, it was to take those influences, but to not sound like that. And so Irrepress was kind of our outlet to take all those, those heavier influences and also the element of groove and, and R&B and kind of that, like, I guess, like, you know the rhythm sections of like hip hop and R and B. We we sort of injected that into Aeropress as well. And so if you listen to the albums, a lot of the kick drums are locked in with the bass guitar, and we made it very um, clear from the beginning that we didn't want to be one of those just typical metal bands or post rock bands. Um, and then I, I, again, like Aeropress got laughed at by the label community in, in the metal world as well, because we were almost like too silly for, for these, these labels, these bigger metal labels, because we weren't wearing all black, right. you know, we weren't all tatted up. You know, we came from like middle-class suburbs of Massachusetts and like grew up, you know, like we had really good childhoods, you know? And so like, we also were like blessed to listen to a ton of different types of music. And so we, we never really fit in anywhere. And so Salim actually from bad rabbits, um, has been a friend of mine since I was, I think like 12 years old. And, um, so we brought him on the road with Aeropress as our, uh, as our tour manager slash sound engineer. <laughs> and so we learned how to tour in a van, we learned how to book our own tours Shout out to uh, Rusty from the band Battlefields. Yeah, he uh, he was a complete G in the DIY touring space. Like I, I can't even believe that he booked a tour completely himself, completely himself across the U.S. at you know through MySpace. And so MySpace was powerful back in the day. <laughs> just, like, just like doing it yourself, you know. And 
and anytime any label or partner would come along, it would just be like, it would just be, I know it'd be tough. And thankfully translation lost records from Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> they were, they were one of the only labels that allowed us to be ourselves. And we actually were talking to Aaron Turner from ISIS um, who owns, who owned Hydra head at the time. And, he and I just don't think he was really vibing with what we we were, you know. Like, it, it just didn't feel right, you know, going that route, the typical kind of like post rock metal route. But Translation Loss was willing to just let us do our thing. So they, <clears throat> we put out Sandless Ontology before we signed to them, um, and that album did pretty well in the in the post rock world. And I think, you know, a lot of other bands now you know, take from that era of that, like the first, I guess that first incarnation of post rock, which was like, to me was, you know, it, it was like explosions in the sky. Um, you know, even ISIS or Pelican, you know, like I don't even like ISIS or Pelican, you know, both those bands bore me, you know, respect <laughs> to them. And, you know, they were, they worked their asses off, you know, they toured forever, but like, you know, like rhythmically, I didn't, I couldn't really get into them, you know, but like, their soundscapes and and all that stuff were so big and epic that it, it was admirable. You know, I think a lot right. of people caught up to that because it was such a big sound. But from a drummer's perspective, um, you know, I just wasn't really into the typical post rock or metal. So I was just like, <clears throat> let's try to do something new and, and a little different and just be ourselves. And we added a little bit of dance element to it, a um, little bit of R and B element, but it was still heavy as fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Airpress, people in Airpress just kind of grew up and <clears throat> Brett, our guitar player, got married, had a kid. Um, it's just kind of like, you know, life took its, its course and people just kind of moved on from Airpress. And at one point we we got together and recorded a bunch of songs with demos and we put out, a, you know, a two song EP recently not recently this was probably even like a couple of years or three years ago at this point yeah put that out and stop doing a few more songs but you know like communication and people's lives just got in the way and it just didn't really it just doesn't seem like now is the time for us to to be like a band you know like we never officially broke up or anything like that no just, um you know we're actually austin uh, Mind Over Matter Records is actually working on a uh, a vinyl release of Salmon's Octology. Um, and I just approved the artwork for that. My friend Jimmy uh, Laser from Providence just did the artwork, um, which looks crazy. Like, and Austin, I'm sure, is going to do an incredible job with the vinyl and the pressing and the screen printing and all that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing that AeroPress has going on right now is a Samus Octology vinyl release because we never pressed that on vinyl ever. Um, we're going to do a super limited run of that. Well, that's good to hear. I know uh, it was just, you know, I've told the story several times on this podcast about, uh, I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, I've I've kind of blown, like, like suck the dick of bad rabbits on this podcast though, <laughs> for, like, the past year indirectly, whether it be, like, talking about how like seeing you guys like it's like you know like talking about house shows and people talking about how you know oh i can only do this or you know we're at the touring level where you can only do these things and i was like you know i remember seeing this band you're press 
and like they were basically like an instrumental band even though like the the band themselves would kind of do like acapella vocals like no microphones and shit and i was like but i remember them like in a setting in my friend's like living room they had a couple of like lights like three lights like kind of staggered and it was like the most like enthralling thing i had ever like i was like holy shit i can't believe it sounds this good it's in a fucking house and i was like and it just speaks to and i was like and that just speaks to yeah i was like that just speaks to you know how proficient musicians those people were and i was like but you know that was like the thing for me like where i kind of like was like wow you you know house shows and like diy kind of shit it it can be something more than just kind of like well, let's all cram into this basement and like barely be able to hear anything. But hey, we're all here together, and it's it's the vibe we're we're creating. But it can be like right. this thing where the music actually transcends all. Like it takes us all somewhere for you know thirty, forty five minutes. And I was like, you know, and, and it's it's crazy to have gone from that and then seeing where you ended up going once you ended up joining Bad Rabbits and kind of seeing seemingly the instant success. And and again, from a from an outsider's perspective. Uh, because it just seemed like once Bad Rabbits came out and like Stick Up Kids kind of like landed, so to speak, and I feel like it wasn't necessarily the song you guys did with Travis McCoy, but it it definitely helped having him on, because at that point you know like Gym Class Heroes was sort of at the height of its popularity as far as where they would go, and I think around that time was like when Travis was doing like the solo stuff, so like you know he was really active in, in trying to be a solo artist per se, and I feel like you guys like just kind of got him to be on your thing when you know the spotlight was kind of on him so a lot of people that maybe weren't necessarily sure of like what you were doing or what it was because he was on it people were like yo did you check out this 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 bad rabbits band and then kind of stayed because of how good it was very much like you're oppressed like you know i went in just to go hang out with my friends at a house show but like the music kept me there and then as a result i became a fan of your like you guys followed you even told you i was i just told this story on a uh, podcast like probably about a month ago at this point but I was talking about how you guys – I played a show in Greenbrier, Tennessee at this, like, shit coffee house, and they fucked us on our guarantee. And then I told the, the promoter dude, I was like, I don't know how, but I was like, if I ever find someone that – excuse me, will listen to me, I'm going to tell people not to come fucking play here. And you guys were, like, announced a tour, and then I was like, hey – on MySpace, I was like, hey, we just played there like maybe like five, six months ago. It's shot. Don't go there. Book a different date. Go to like Memphis or something like that or go into like, you know, proper Tennessee. And then you're like, cool. Yeah, we heard it's kind of sketchy. We're, we're bailing on it. <laughs> and then the dude, oh, I, then I guess the dude ended up finding out it was me. And then he goes, I don't know why you're like costing me shows. And I was like, I told you, dude. I told you. Uh, karma, dude. And oh, I was like, shit. I know like I was in like a bullshit little band that didn't fucking matter and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but... I told you, I, like anybody I knew that was gonna play there, like I would personally reach out and tell them not to play there. So, funny man, there's um, little things yeah. like that, like with us, like you and I, anyway, or like the bands you've been in that kind of just flowing in and out over the last handful of years. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I I feel as if like both those bands are, um, you know, like at, at one point it was like one big family because I was very active with both at one point. Right. Um, and like. You know, one rehearsal every night of the week with one of the bands. You know, I was doing Monday with Bad Rabbits, Tuesday with Air Press, and it was like we were all sharing the same rehearsal space. Um, so we were all friends. You know, like we grew up in, in touring together. You know, it was just so we we're all one big family. And I feel as if our our peers understood and they respected me going over to Bad Rabbits from the Air Press world. And, and I also I actually saw a ton of people 
friends from you know metal bands that kind of crossed over and started listening to Bad Rabbits. You know whether it was because of me, whether it was because of the style of the, the music. I mean, I I think it's just a testament to the, the the music of Bad Rabbits and and just remaining honest, I guess, and just right. doing what we felt was right at the time and and you know we got our ass kicked by the music industry and i think you're right like at one point it felt like it was instant success with stick up kids and you know shout out to gym class heroes because those dudes are still the homies to this day and era press actually played with gym class heroes that's how we met um i think i got in touch with them via email or something or myspace when they were coming to to or they were doing some sort of northeast tour and i was like hey listen i'm in an instrumental metal band but your band is tight and then they listened back and they were like your band is tight too let's play a show so irrepress ended up playing a show with gym class heroes and that's how that relationship started so um and then yeah it's crazy how many things from irrepress translated over to bad rabbits it was kind of interesting i mean you would think that like those two even in in genre sort of like those two wouldn't necessarily have much crossover, but right. I mean, like I'm sort of like you, you and myself are, I mean, even in, I would say the music that we listen to, like we're products of, I mean, I, God, I say this all the fucking time, but I don't know how old you are, but I assume you're roughly around my age. I'm 33. 35. Okay. So, I mean, like we grew up in a time where like, I mean, especially being a product of the eighties more or less and early nineties, it's like, those are some of like, you know, a lot of people want to shit talk and say like, you know, oh, there's so many one hit wonders. There's so many one hit wonders. And it's like, but look at the different styles and the, and the genres being mashed together and combined and all those one hit wonders. It's like, we are a product or an, an, we're a demographic basically of people that grew to love all kinds of music as a result. I mean, like look at Michael Jackson, he did everything from, you know, having Eddie Van Halen on some shit to, you know, having, you know, pop music and, and funk and all that kind of shit. And it's like, you know, I think it's, it's, and then, you know, you even cite like a band like Glassjaw or something like that, you know, kind of going further down the road. And I mean, it's like Glassjaw is, I remember hating Glassjaw, honestly, because I hated Daryl's voice, at least on that first record. I hate that. I still really don't like that first record personally. Um, but Worship and Tribute, it's like by the like what really it took for me to get into Daryl's voice was Head Automatica. And oh, when I finally it. heard that, I was like, oh, I get it. Now I want to go back and listen to this this other band this dude's in. And then I like was able to – I think I was just ready for it because it's like you know when you – don't necessarily listen to stuff that's kind of all over sonically like that. Cause I mean, it's like, they'll go from something very fast paced and up, you know, up tempo and shit to then kind of, you know, like a, a... yo, sorry about that, man. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, you were talking about uh glass jar. <laughs> uh, no, I was just saying like, you know, it's interesting to, to kind of look back at, you know, a band like glass jar and a lot of these other bands that now are considered pioneers and, and so forth of kind of mashing a lot of genres and styles together. But it's interesting because like when you guys when Bad Rabbits themselves came out as as with Stick Up Kids, I just feel like you were able to take a sound that, as you are had already kind of said, wasn't popular at the time. But for those of us who are of that age group, it's like, oh shit, this has like a little bit of like what I grew up listening to. It reminds me of these things. It reminds me of of you know that. And I would say the same thing with Irrepress. Like it had enough touches of things that we all like if you're into that style of music it's like you know it's kind of heavy and aggressive so if you like metal it's like oh here's some like cool like throwdown parts but then it's like oh if you like kind of soft ambient shit it's like oh there's some cool stuff here too you've always been involved with bands that find a way to mash a lot of styles and genres together without it sounding forced and 
I often wonder because, like, as you were saying, like, oh, you know, <clears throat> when Era Press was kind of shopping stuff to labels, you know, people didn't get it or whatever. It's like I feel like just consistently you've been ahead of the head of the path. And I mean, it's like you were talking about, like, oh, you know, we grew up in the burbs and all this kind of shit. And my first thought was like, I remember all the shit August Burns Red used to get because they weren't like kids who grew up poor or whatever and like were pissed right. off, and that's why they're making this you know aggressive metal and all this shit. It's like no, they had good families and they came from good backgrounds and shit. And they just liked this music, so they made it. And it seems yeah, like it took I mean, them a long time to get any kind of respect in the industry because they didn't apparently have some horrible fucking backstory to to make people want to like them. Yeah, I think it, a lot of it has to do with just following a very unconventional path. I think it just, you know, it, it was definitely a, a double-edged sword because, you know, like when it comes down to industry shit, it was like we didn't really it – was, it was hard to get thrown a bone because it was – you know, people just didn't really get it. You know, I'm grateful now, it, you know, such a learning experience. I'm grateful now that we just stuck to our guns and did what we wanted to do, you know, and like, and I get no disrespect to someone like Bruno Mars because he's, he's doing nineties music and he's on a wave that we were on eight years ago, but you know, lucky for him, he's, um, you know, he hit at the, hit it at the right time. And, you know, he's, He's sick. Like that song Finesse that's on the radio that I made a joke saying that Bad Rabbits has a song on the radio. Yeah. yeah does, does it sound like us? Um, Not does entirely. It like, does it sound like Belle Biv DeVoe? Yes. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, like I personally think that like the difference between that song or, or what he's doing now, um, you know, aside from him being an incredible artist is that, you know, we, I feel, I feel, again, I feel as if with Stick Up Kids, we just, made sure we didn't stick to one thing right you know, we like of course like were we influenced by early 90s music and new jack swing for sure but we were also influenced by like like you said you know throwdown and beatdown parts and like bad rabbits has a really tough and and sort of like i guess punk element to it yeah that no other r&b band i think at that time at least had and um so it just, I think it just, our singer grew up playing in a hardcore band. Right. Um, you know, like Celine, the guitar players, grew up playing in, in a rock band. Graham, our bass player, grew up playing in a punk band. I obviously grew up playing metal uh, and, and hardcore music. But it's just, we love R&B music and we started playing it. So like, do I fucking dance to Finesse by Bad Rabbits? Fuck yeah, because I think he, I mean, by, by Blue Love. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but... You know, like, I also am, like, a little suspect on it, too, because I feel as if he could have done something a little differently with it, you know? So, I don't know. That That's what I've been always about. I've always been trying to, like, push the boundaries a little bit. And, you know, granted, if a, if a label doesn't like it, you know, at one point I was like, fuck, man, we can't, we can't get a look from any labels. They just don't get it. You know, like I said, I'm grateful that we didn't go that, that path at this point because, um we're not the mercy of anybody anymore we don't have a manager we don't have a record label um we have our friend like we work with our friends now right our our main producer is brad lewis he's a close friend of ours he produced american love uh our man art and branding guy is actually uh back from glass jaw good okay. friend of ours from from a long time back um, and then I went back and circled back to a band called the Eclectic Collective. Oh my that God, I was a uh, Facebook group I'm in uh, for every time I die. One of the guys, I guess, that knows uh, 
uh, duo was talking about that group. Yeah, I, so I was like, like I don't, I don't know that group, but uh, everybody in Bad Rabbits was in that group before. It was like a ten-piece kind of like funk band. Okay. Uh, or I guess it was sort of, it was like kind of like a jam. A collective. Band, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can Spotify it's called the Collective, but um, so my friend Jimmy, who's uh, an illustrator, did a bunch of illustration work for. Uh, the Eclectic Collective and Aeropress, actually. It actually all comes back to Aeropress. <laughs> and so now he's doing all the artwork for our new album. And so our whole album campaign for our new Bad Rabbits album was completely done by Jimmy Laser. Check him out on uh, on Instagram. It's at Jimmy Laser, I think, or Laser Labs. I think yeah. it's Laser Labs because I think yeah. other people I follow follow it. Yeah, so at Laser Labs. He's, he's a sick artist. And so, like, we just kind of circled back and, and we we cleansed ourselves of all the industry bullshit, all the the whack management that we had, the songwriters and producers that really didn't have our backs and really didn't want to fuck with us. And so, like, what I'm saying is that we only fuck with people now that want to fuck with us, right? You know, if and, if, and we're keeping our circle very very tight. We don't, you know, if you like our band and want to like write a song with us or for us, you know we're probably going to say no at this point <laughs> because if we've just been put through hell and back with, with that, that side of the industry, right. it's not going to work going back anywhere near that at this point. So like, <clears throat> unless a label is going to throw us a mill for an advance, we're not going down that route. Something I've kind of wondered as well. And it always sucks because like, I feel like any, I'll just preface it by saying this. I feel like anytime I want to I talk I want to maybe discuss race at all. I feel like it's kind of awkward for me because it's like I'm the fucking token white guy asking questions. Yeah, go, go but my thing and it's more to just as an inquisitive person and just kind of because I I I feel like I've seen it but I've not really seen it with you guys. With you guys being basically a very multi or international basically band like you know all the people in your band come from different backgrounds. I've wondered do you think maybe that's kind of what has caused some of your issues in the industry? Because, like, I know I've heard some some crazy, crazy bullshit that should have nothing to do with anything. Because at the end of the day, if the talent's fucking there and the songs are there, then that's all that should fucking matter. But we know, yeah, you just... know just as well as I do that there's other things that go into, well, you look too old or you don't have this or you don't have that or the things that aren't marketable. So I wondered if that's ever anything that you have encountered in bad rabbits or even in your oppressed, like just being like, Oh, you guys aren't good looking enough or you don't have the front man and all this kind of, which is bullshit. And any of the bands been in like, that's bullshit. Like you have everything. I think all the tools needed to succeed. And I've always been kind of shocked that it seems like for every step forward you take, it seems like the industry maybe is making you pushing you back two steps because they just don't see what should matter the most, which is the music. But yeah, I don't know if that's something I'm putting on it or not. It's certainly, I mean, across the board, it's cert we've certainly dealt with some racism. Um, whether it's from people in the industry or not, I think just, like, in general, we've, we've dealt with racism. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad, but, you know, it definitely made us all stronger. And I think um, the most outspoken person in the whole, I guess, collective between both bands is, is probably Dua. Um, about race and about politics and and it's crazy because the guitar player for Airpress is um, is a Trump supporter, you know, and like <laughs> no one else no one else in the collective is, you know. But 
I saw him the other night and it was all it was all fun and games, you know. He's still the homie like so we put a lot of that shit aside and you know, we focus on on music and and if we have we have beefs, we try to put it into our music and and sometimes it's tough because sometimes you really have to speak out on things. And um but I think if it's you know, people who I I guess are are you know, super outspoken about these issues are definitely doing a good thing to um to put it out there and, and, you know, defend themselves in certain situations or just defend other people. But I also think there's a little bit more of an eloquent way to do it, you know, especially with musicians. I think that um, musicians could definitely channel that more into music um, rather than maybe like posting a bunch of shit on social media. And, and I don't know, it's just, I feel as if there's just a smarter way to deal with those issues. And so to answer your question, we've certainly dealt with racism uh, across the board. Um, whether it's played a role in us getting a record deal or not, potentially. Um, I remember at one point we were being courted by a couple major labels and, you know, they started talking about, you know, aesthetics and, you know, like one of the, the really appealing things to this one executive that we were talking to was that we were so multicultural and we were kind of like the American dream. Um, you know, we have Indian dude, we have a white dude, we have a, Hispanic dude, we have an African guy, and you know, three of us were fresh, are fre- fresh off the boat. I guess <laughs> right. like, we're we're not fresh off the boat. We're first generation. Americans, right. You know, yeah. Up here, but um, you know, I think it. You would think that maybe that's like a an appeal as far as marketing goes, but it didn't really work, man. It wasn't really like as far as like getting a record deal. It just wasn't one of those things where like it helped us and maybe it hurt us who knows but um yeah like i said we certainly dealt with some racism in the past um i think more so probably air press because you know like i said we didn't look like a metal band we no. didn't really sound <laughs> like a metal band um and we didn't really act like a metal band. we were like smiling and laughing on stage at each other you know yeah. it's like we don't have we weren't me mugging each other we just having fun like just being having fun with our friends on stage and I think good friends make good music. And if you're in a band just to like, please a genre or please a record label or, or, you know, just like follow a wave that, that has been done over and over and over. And then it's just, that's for me personally, any band or project that I'm, I've been a part of, I've tried to, to keep myself kind of like, restricted when it comes to what projects I like to be a part of and those two bands to me were I was able to you know put all my influences into one one project yeah and I think Bad Rabbits is that project because when we when Bad Rabbits has a show you know it's it's very high energy and it's live and it's heavy yeah it's not like two-stepping the whole time you know people mosh at our shows and, and we're an r&b band you know? i know it's funny i saw a video because i was trying to find the video of you guys doing bulls on parade with vincent from the acacia strain from war tour like oh, forever ago and yeah. i apparently that doesn't exist but i found quite a few ver- versions uh the ones you did with uh was it cody beware and yeah, yeah. I just thought it was funny when Dua was like, all right, ladies, like, I know you probably don't know any, like, what's about to happen. This shit's going to get wild. Like, get off to the side now. I'm warning you. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I I just thought it was funny. I feel as if a lot of our peers, Bad Rabbits, um, Bad Rabbits musical peers are from the heavy music world. Um, You know, like, we did Warp Tour 2011, Acacia Strain, 
um, was a band we became super cool with. Every time I die, we played show. We played a show with them in Brooklyn. Um, if they're listening to this shit right now, they better put us on their holiday show at the end of this year. I that Facebook group I was talking about. Um, I have like there's kind of been going up because a lot of the people uh, in that group, I would say a good probably two three hundred from all over the world actually went and went to the show this past year, and so like that day of the show was just nothing but like live updates and pictures and videos and shit. And it just looked like so much fun. And then uh, when they did the tickets, uh, I already got mine for this this upcoming year. And someone in the group was like, oh, who would you like to see? Like when they posted the thing that Eats had posted, like who would you like to see this year? And I was like, I don't know about anybody else, but I would really love to see fucking Bad Rabbits. Uh, I think like yeah. it worked before. Yes. Like you guys go over so well. And even in prep for this yeah. conversation, I was like, you know, in doing some some going back and listening to different stuff. Like I went like had this weird rabbit hole thing. I went down where I was listening to Stick Up Kids, and then I was thinking about mm-hmm. Travi McCoy, and then I really wanted to hear the Machine and I that uh, Travi and Keith did, like the remix yeah. of that, uh, yeah. the Queen and I. And then it got me thinking, I was like, man, it would be cool to see Keith on, like, a Bad Rabbit song. I think it would really work. Like, it could showcase something he really likes doing because I know he's big into, like, you know, there's that clip of him singing Boys to Men Under the Road and all that kind of shit. So I know, like, he's yeah. into that style of music. And so I was just like, you know, he, like, fucks with, like, my friend uh, Shay Hawk and stuff like that, like, doing, like, hooks on his stuff. So I was like, I mean, it just seems inevitable a Bad Rabbits and Keith uh, collab. And then so I yeah, was like, you know. It would be really cool to see you guys do something with him. And I kind of put that out there just to be like, what do, you, what do you think? Like, how do you think that would sound? And everyone's like, oh, man, BR all day. Like, I saw Bad Rabbits at this show with them. It was fucking tight. I saw them on Warp Tour. It was fucking tight. And then, you know, like I said, like, you know, a bunch of us are like, yeah, Bad Rabbits on the, the shit mis- Christmas show, like, would be fucking sick. So I know there's, like, enough people that would like it. I just, I know that... Yeah booking shows myself i know it, it there's more to it than just being like well look there's like people on the internet that say this would be cool like let's do yeah. it so but yeah. i know like I mean, they're big on it's their thing they want to pick the bands they want to have on so i mean like i think that the fact that you guys have played shows and they're fans of yours first and foremost i think that's what they're looking to do is have bands that they're fans of uh on the bill so i mean it would be a good uh i think it'd be a good look all across the board i think it'd be something different for those that wouldn't know who you guys are it'd be like i think for you I think you being on this year's Christmas show would almost be like, like they're a band that a lot of people know if you're familiar with that scene, but there are a lot of people that aren't familiar with that band and they were sort of the odd band out, but a lot of people walked away being like, oh man, Pup was really fucking sweet. I really like them. I'm so glad E.T. put them on yeah. this show. And I think that's the that's the spot I think you guys would be in if you got on the show this year. Like People might be like, I've heard of this bad rabbits. I don't know what the big fucking deal is. And they would walk away being like, holy shit, that was awesome. So, yeah, I, I hope you guys get on. You know they they've been they've been super cool. Like I think we ended up, we started talking to I think Andy or someone from ETID on Twitter a while back, and then we were also talking to Jason from Let Live. At the oh time god, that would be a great all, collab too. So we were talking. All our bands were talking to each other on on Twitter, or some shit, and then we ended up just getting in touch with. ETID's management and we booked a show in Brooklyn at this tiny spot which was Bad Rabbits Let Live and ETID <clears throat> and that shit was so crazy and I think from there on out um, we've just remained friends with both of those bands and, and we actually, we our album is you know, Crossing All Fingers is going to come out this summer right? and I think we're going to do a, uh, a New Year's Eve show in Boston because we were doing that for a little while and then we kind of just took a step back from everything and so we really want to do that 
that every time I die holiday show because we have so many homies in Buffalo too. Yeah, um, it'd be. I'm I'm really crossing my fingers and hoping that it can it can happen because I've yeah, yet to I, see I, you guys. I need to uh, I need to get I need to text Keith or, or someone in that camp and just be like, yo, let's let's go with that show, man. <laughs> Even like, like half part slot or something, you know? Right. Um. So I mean, you kind of have already hit on sort of the issues surrounding basically American love and just kind of the trying to play the industry game of, you know, like we're trying to, you know, get on a major, do all this shit, get, get the good look, get the big look basically in the industry. And I definitely There's feel so like many time, man. it was just insane. It was just like, it was tough for us to be tough. You know, at that time it, we, there were so many industry opinions. Everybody's like, Oh, you guys just need that one hit. Just that, that one hit, you know, you guys need all this, this this producer, this songwriter, and we just honestly lost the emotional connection to the music. And I remember I had a conversation with our singer Dua, and what and he, it was, <clears throat> it just opened my eyes. He was like, "Man, he's like, I'm tired of going to L.A. and working on all these duty pop songs or something like that, or like dookie <laughs> pop songs." And so like he was singing songs, like he started singing songs that other people were writing for him that he didn't even care about. Right. You know, like we have we have friends and homies that are part of our new album that helped songwrite and, and produced, you know, but like these are people that are you know, like wanted to be a part of that album. Yeah. Something I think uh, that's gonna obviously I'm not saying American Love wasn't good, but there's something where when you listen to Stick Up Kids and then you go to American Nightmare, that it just feels like that should have been the natural progression kinda. But there seems to be more of wow. an attitude there well, seems American to be more Love. of an attitude because I think of the shit that you went through on American or American Love, which I think is kind of it's kind of fitting that I mean you start off with American Love, and then you go to American Nightmare, and one basically you know it it, it does kind of sound like two different bands, and even kind of the imagery of of even going from the album artwork and the singles and such, it's like there's definitely a difference like kind of night and day. And I think it's just kind of interesting as a listener to kind of, I thought there was more of a, you know, we're going to put out this fun poppy record kind of thing. And that's American love. And, you know, it's got the big asses and booties and shit on the fucking single covers and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, having fun. And then it's like, you go at night, American nightmare comes out and then it's like, it's very serious. And like the tone of it, just like, even looking at the album cover, it just, it looks like something that's like, Oh, this isn't like, we're not, we're not here to have fun. We're here to like, there's something that needs to be said. And, and we have this message that needs to get out. And when I heard the record, I was like, no, nah, so, like, yeah, let me, good. Yeah. Let me, let me clarify because um, there's been these gaps in between albums that have steered our band in directions that we weren't really planning on going. So so after Stick Up Kids, Stick Up Kids was an album we made. We wanted to make that. American Love was an album that we made, and that's the album we wanted to make. We made it with our close friend Brad Lewis, who's an, probably my favorite producer of all time. Um, and he actually was the main producer on our upcoming album. But before... After Sick of Kids, we we went into the studio with Teddy Riley. Yeah, and we have we have a whole album that we did with him that we scrapped. Is that the one that's got Chino on it, right? Yeah. So Chino actually, like a lot of people ask us about that. So Chino was a fan of Aeropress. Keep going back to Aeropress. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a big fan of ISIS, so it makes sense. Yeah. So um, 
Man, never com compare Air Press to ISIS. No, I meant like the fact that he I'm was just, tight I'm with the dude. Okay. <clears throat> I was going to say, like, because he's tight with those dudes in ISIS, and obviously did that band that I wasn't a fan of either, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just joking. But anyway, so he, one of, um, I think, um, yeah, so what happened was that with Chino was that um, we had a mutual friend. Um, and he worked for a management company in Sacramento at the time. And we're still in touch with him now. And, you know, he's, he's been a huge Bad Rabbit supporter from the jump. Um, and he was friends with Chino. And um, our homie at the management company was um, playing Bad Rabbits in the office. And Chino walked in. And he was like, who is this? Because he, he grew up listening to 90s music as well, like late 80s. He's like, who is this band? And he's like, oh, it's actually, you know, the drummer from this band, Airpress, that you're a fan of. Um, he's in this R&B band now. And so, like, fast forward, you know, a couple years later, um, Sean, our homie at the management company, put us in touch with, put me in touch directly with Chino via email and was like, hey, you know, these guys are in L.A. recording their record with Teddy Riley, and Chino was a big Teddy Riley fan. And then... A week later, he was in the studio with us, but he never finished his vocals on. Uh, he never tracked his vocals on the on the record. Um, he just laid his guitar down. Uh, whether we put that song out or if he finished that song, finishes that song and lays his vocals down or not, I have no idea. But those dudes are the homies now. You know, they're a band we grew up on, and now they're peers. You know, they're musical peers. We we played a festival with Deftones in Maine, and um, and hang on one second. Yeah. And um, and he. Uh, uh, I looked over to my left and I see all of Deftones watching the side stage and I was like <laughs> this shit is crazy man that, that, this band I grew up is respect grew up listening to respects us now and, and watches us perform and I'm still we're still friends with them now and every time they come to Boston we hang out we go out on the streets of Boston we get hammered together it's, it's just <laughs> last time Deftones were in town Salim, myself, Frank and Abe went out we got seafood um, in the seaport of Boston, and then we essentially all just blacked out. Don't even remember what happened after that. So, <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it's cool, man. It's, it's cool that music brought us to the point where we're working with our and we're friends with our peers. We're peers with with our influences, right? Like back from Glassjaw, you know, I just talked to him yesterday. I was I was clowning on some pants he wore in a new photo shoot. Like we're we're just on this <laughs> candid level where these guys are friends friends of ours now and and they're also like big supporters of bad rabbit so um yeah so all right so after we did the album with teddy riley all this industry stuff came in the way and we realized it just wasn't the right time and the right record to put out so we're sitting on that album with teddy riley um and then so we made american love as a result of that we went back to the drawing board we're like let's make an album we want to make we got our friend brad lewis producer involved and we made that kind of booty shaking album i guess like sort of how you were describing it. I meant more from a visual. That. Sorry. I, I meant more yeah, the yeah, visuals yeah. of it, though. Right, right. Fair enough. So after that, we got to the point, well, during American Love, we got to the point where we were on national TV. And so now, QN, the second kind of industry jerk-off fest that happened, you know, first one was a Teddy Riley experience, and the second one, you know, all right, let me rewind a little bit, because don't get me wrong, working with Teddy Riley was an undeniably incredible experience. From a musical perspective, mm -hmm. but from a business perspective, it was an absolute nightmare. Okay. So, 
going back to um, post-American Love uh, campaign, we now all these major labels started come, kind of coming back into circle. We, an indie band did Jimmy Kimmel show. How did that happen? Blah, blah, blah. We got on the, the desks of all these major labels again. We were getting courted. And then, you know, all these hit makers and producers were, you know, p- getting their songs in our ears. And we're like, all right, maybe we should work with them. And like I said, we lost all the emotional connection to the music that we had um, on Stick Up Kids and American Love. And even in, in some in some parts of the Teddy Riley album. Um, so that's why we made American Nightmare. You know, it was just, we were in a very kind of, um, I wouldn't say dark place, but it was just, we weren't in a fun place, that's for sure, when we made American Nightmare. We were just kind of angry, we were angry at how the industry had treated us on some, we were angry at ourselves for decisions that we made um, that are still haunting us to this day when it comes to music business. Um, we, we, Salim and I, from the guitar player from Bad Rabbit, Salim and I set up a bunch of mics, pressed record and started making noise in my basement. And that's, that's how American Nightmare started. And, and so we started sending Dua. Dua was living in Salt Lake City at the time. We were doing all this recording in Boston. Um, and we sent Dua, started sending Dua these demos of kind of like these heavy, dark rock songs. And he was like, dude, he's like, this is crazy. Don't stop. And so he got his pen, his, he started writing a lot of uh, lyrics and melodies. And my friend Jared from Airpress, <laughs> Dua, write a lot on this new album. So again, going back to Airpress, it's like this big family of collection of artists and writers that are in our family, not people that we don't know. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So Jarrett was a huge, huge um, help to Dua and get him, getting his pen moving again and getting him to like to love writing and r- love singing again. Um, and so we made American Nightmare. And, and so now, we, you know, we cleansed ourselves of bad management. Um, you know, we cleansed ourselves of producers that were holding on to songs of ours that, you know, we, we want to put out. Just honestly, like, we made bad decisions and we also aren't the easiest band to manage or to work with because we're so DIY. And so, like, from a management perspective, I wouldn't want to manage our band, you know? <laughs> it's just like, all right, you guys want to do your thing? Just do it. It's, you know, so I feel for the managers that have, have worked with us and for us in the past, but it's just we realized that we needed to cleanse all that shit. I feel like we had a bunch of STDs and we just got quarantined. <laughs> uh, and um, so now we're, we're feeling free again, and now we can start work like i said working with our friends we got austin uh, austin on board to do the vinyl again um and again i met him and we played his house and from air press played his house yeah. and now he's working on a bad rabbits album so it's crazy talking about it how much shit came how many opportunities came from from air press and so i owe that band a lot you know those are <laughs> those are brothers for life so kind of I mean, this has been kind of a very interesting chat because, I mean, we have kind of gone all over, which is fun because I, I I always say, like, oh, I kind of wish podcasts were just sort of, like, as they, like, not necessarily, like, kind of flowing through a list of questions, which I literally have written down. But, I mean, you've kind of touched on everything regardless, so it's it's kind of fun that this happened very naturally. 
But something I've kind of wondered too, because the way I've been kind of pushing you guys to whoever is listening, whatever followers I have, whatever that is worth, was in doing my Deftones discography. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm a whore for anything I like. If I like something, I'm going to fucking push it, um, especially musically, because I think uh, music is one of those that, uh, you know, it's there when you need it kind of a thing, and you never know. Like like I said, I hated Glassjaw for so long, and now they're one of my favorite bands. And <clears throat> interestingly enough, I got to meet Daryl when they did the used tour that came through here, and dude couldn't have been nicer like spent like probably 25 minutes listening to my friend and i talk and then um uh, i was like trying to figure out a way to be like all right how do i ask daryl to at least potentially try to be on my podcast and i was like where i don't really want to talk about glass jaw nor head automatic i want to talk about like all the shit he's done other than that that i'm a fan of and then my friend was like oh yeah my like this dude's got a podcast like so-and-so's been on it this person's been on it and so on and so forth like people he's worked with and shit so it was like oh like you know nate and ivy from finch like those are my people i fucking love them like how are they doing and all this kind of shit and then i was like yeah i'm talking with evitz like in a, like a week or so and he was like oh man i remember like evitz when we did like that first record with ross and so on and so forth so like i kind of had that in since i had already had people on that he knew and liked personally and then I was like, yeah, I'd like to have you on. I mean, I'm sure everyone would love to have you on their fucking thing, but I would like to have you on and talk about, like, color film and, you know, you working with Keith on tape, like that uh, project that Keith's doing and, like, all this kind of shit. And then he was – and I was, like, in the stuff you were doing with uh, Sean Martin from Hatebreed, like that, uh, you know, Cardboard City shit you guys were doing. And he was like, oh, man, like, you're a real fan of, like, the stuff I'm doing outside of the normal shit that everyone knows. He was like, yeah, like, hit me up on this thing. And I never know, like, when someone hands me something, if it's like – okay, here's the polite blow off. Like contact me on this and I'm never going to look at it. <laughs> so I'm interested to see if that ends up panning out. I know the tour that they were on is done. So we'll see if I can get Daryl on this to talk, but uh, it's, it's kind of funny too. That, yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're tough, man. I mean, Beck, Beck's tough. He, I mean, we have a very good business relationship, but we also, you know, he, he's like a big brother right. to myself and everybody in Bad Rabbits. And he's been through through the ringer and back with the music industry. And so he's taught us a lot. He's he's almost like a Nostradamus. He was actually saying this. He's like, I'm like fucking Nostradamus. He's like, I predicted everything that your band was going to go through. Because he's, <laughs> gone through, he's gone through the same shit. And so, but, you know, someone asked me recently what, there was some music, some music industry panel there. It was like, you know, what advice would you have for a band or, you know, someone in music industry school or studying music industry, music business in college? I was like, I, the, the, my response was, you just got to really go out there and get fucked over a bunch of times to, <laughs> really, like, to really understand how the, the industry works because, yeah. you know, look at Glassjaw. They, they call their own shots now. You know, they've been fucked over so many times and they make poor decisions, but they still have an incredible band and they have an incredible brand, you know? Yes. So, you know, like people still buy their merch, you know, they do, they still do crazy numbers in merch sales and, you know, they put in one album out every 15 years, you know, and they're so, <laughs> it's testament to just sticking to your guns and like not doing off brand shit and just really focusing on just good, honest music, good, honest artwork and branding, all that shit ties, it all ties in. So, um, yeah, Glassjaw, they're tough, man. They're not easy band to get a hold of, but 
if you can get Daryl on, on your podcast, that'd be tight. Yeah, I, well, it kind of started because I was like, dude, I love your rhythm section. Like, the fact that, you know, it's Travis and uh, Chad from oh, Glass yeah, Cloud. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, dude, yeah. like, this. That fool is destroyed. They're so nasty. <sighs> yeah, I'm, well, that was kind of, that was the route I was going to go with. Daryl was like, hey, like, do you think like, those dudes would want to be on my podcast? Because I really admire them as musicians. And then, like, my buddy was like, yo, you should be on this dude's podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I should have asked Daryl. Like, I didn't even think of that. I was more like, yo, let, let me get Travis and Chad on. <laughs> Chad, I mean, Chad is such a sick drummer. I saw him on um, not this most recent tour that they were on, but the one before it. Right. And his, I mean, like, no disrespect to Deraja, um, the drummer before that, and the bass player, Manny. Like, them two are so sick, too. Um, but there was just like a this deep pocket that the drum uh, Chad has now that his just groove was just on another level. Well, he and makes it, it look so fucking effortless too, and he's so yeah. God, he's so tall. Like that's I think I that's like the weird thing that like kind of helps him too. Like I was there's this video of him doing something from this most recent tour, I think for Zildjian or Remo or something like that. I forget who it was for, some drum company. And it, the, the sound quality is not the greatest, but it's like just watching him play this fucking thing, and like it doesn't even look like he's like. I mean, he's not like thinking yeah, about it, but it's just like you watch this fucking dude, and it's like, God damn, like how? Filthy, filthy drummer. <laughs> and then it's like on top of that, it's like you know, as I told Travis and, and Chad, I was like, you know, the fact that you two are like a rhythm section naturally, like you know, you went from Glass Cloud, and you know, and, and I, I was like, I feel like you guys have like done so much shit, whether it be like studio work or something, like you two are just like a pair basically that have worked together so many times and so many different things. And Travis is like, yeah. well, I mean, we did, we are, and I was like, oh shit, I didn't know that. I mean. I have another set of friends that one's a drummer and like he now is like the drummer for like uh, uh, the Jake Clemens band and like uh, Grace Potter and stuff like that. Like he's kind of like a hired gun of sorts. Like he just played uh, extra percussions on Gwen Stefani's like Christmas shit I just saw the other like recently and I was like, what the fuck? And the other dude's like a bass player and like they both uh, are, well, the drummer now lives out in uh, LA but the other, the bass player Ryan lives in New York and it's weird because it's like those two like whenever they're on something together like any project they do it's just like you can tell that they've spent so much time together as a, as a rhythm section yeah. and it's like you can see that even though like you know the glass jaw songs that they're playing most of them they didn't write you know they're just basically performing them but it's like they bring something an intangible that doesn't exist like if you were to put another drummer there and another bass player in that situation because they have so many years of playing together and you just can't recreate that like any other way and i think it really adds to glassjaw sound now it's just fucking crazy yeah yeah well um my friend billy reimer from dillinger, dillinger yep yeah so he he played drums on the new glassjaw record and that's actually my favorite part of the whole album is his drumming uh the new album material control like i was i was telling beck i was like man like such a standout drumming record Yes. And, you know, granted, Beck probably wrote a lot of those drum parts, but Billy probably took, you know, sound like Billy took those and just made them his own and just destroyed them. So he's a sick drummer, too, speaking of drummers. Yeah. it's It really sucks because I've only seen Dillinger once. Actually, I've seen him twice. Um, the first time was in the Balcony in Detroit when they were on tour with Deftones on the Diamond Eyes cycle. And the last time was, like, Dillinger doing a headlining run on their own. But unfortunately, here in Grand Rapids, like, the thing that sucks is we're a musician's town. So every like instead of people going crazy, you just had everyone with their arms crossed, like staring at whatever instrument 
you know, or a musician that they yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and they're just like, oh, what is the pedal board? What are you playing? What are you doing? What strings? What this? What that? And it's like, right, right. this kind of sucks because it's like I, I'd rather have like a more intense Dillinger experience that I never, I never gotten, and now never will, supposedly. Speaking of those types of crowds, we Aeropress played in, in front of so many of those crowds, and and like I said, we we um we weren't that band that was dead serious on stage. We'd be like laughing, right? Yeah. So it was always this like weird juxtaposition of um dead serious people in the crowd and these like jokingly faces on stage well i think at the irrepressed house show that i saw you guys at it was really weird because like my friend who i like who i a dude i became friends with that i used to go see his band play all the time i was like this is the only other person that's done it was your guitar player I was trying to look at what he was playing, and then when, like whatever he was playing, he'd take like his fretting hand or his picking hand. I'm sorry, he'd take his picking hand and cover his fretting hand. And only the dude that like I ended up becoming friends with and roommates with, like he's the only other person who's ever noticed me watching them play something or whatever, and they covered their hand as they're playing. And so I like had Are you a, serious? yeah, he like he was like fucking with me, like that he noticed that I was like paying like a really close attention to what he was doing, and then kind of did that real quick. And I I don't know, but it also was right before one of those gang vocal parts because it scared me because he like shouted right at me and I was like, "Whoa, shit! What? (laughs) What's going on?" And uh... I that man. That band that was so much fun touring and playing in that band. That was my favorite touring experience was with Airpress on the Airpress Battlefields tour. It just seemed Um, like a, a really weird bill, but like everybody was tight and everyone had a lot of fun supporting each other on that. That's the vibe I got from the one time I got to see you guys do that show. <laughs> Man, that was such an insane experience. And um, it, I don't know, I'm grateful that we had this talk because it just made me realize how much I owe to the whole Air Press family. <clears throat> uh, because that, without that band, I definitely wouldn't be, as a musician, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. That's for sure. So, um kind of like kind of my two last questions i guess um so where i kind of was going with that before i got sidetracked with the glass jaw thing so you guys put out a cover series as it i think is known technically online <clears throat> with uh the deftones cover which is the one i plugged uh when talking with fallon going through our deftones discography discussion and have been talking about i think just about everyone leading up to the diamond eyes one because what i didn't want to do was like kind of give it away too early it's like okay i want to say like when they did this cover of sex tape you know, now that we're talking about diamond eyes, like it fits and it works and, you know, and I want to push it. And I don't know if you saw her reply because I sent it to her and then she finally like wrote back or replied back to that thing. And it was like, this is like perfection. So, I mean, somebody who's also a huge Deftones fan and that's arguably like, you know, our favorite record out of the whole bands. And, you know, she's putting, putting it that, you know, it's a really solid cover and she really enjoyed it. So awesome but yeah that's what went into what went into choosing those three songs and what went into deciding to do that as a whole because i feel like you know again kind of talking about you guys doing things before you know it's popular or mainstream when you guys did those covers that wasn't a big thing people were doing was doing cover songs of bands that they liked or were influenced by now i mean it almost seems like the route to success like oh do a cover of a pops or a current song and then yeah. sure as shit, like, you know, um, you, you know, I prevail or whatever, and you get like mainstream success all of a sudden off of it. Yeah. Well, I think that we, um, I don't know. We've, we've always been a fan of, of music, you know? So we wanted to, and, and even with the covers that we did, we, we wanted to make sure that we did it. We made it our own. 
you know, and and every single cover that we did got praise from the artist. I gotta that say person. that Human Nature. That's probably one of my favorite songs that's like, ever. Jackson. Yeah, no, I know. It's probably one of my favorite songs ever. Like, not of just Michael Jackson's, but like ever. And I almost think as much as I do like the Michael Jackson, like the studio version, I think I oh, there's something an intangible I haven't quite put my finger on that I like your version better. And I still am, I'm still not sure why. I think maybe it's just because of the live instrumentation and kind of a different vibe that you get off of that one as opposed to anything else I've you know out of the studio version. But it uh, it's always my go-to typically when I want to hear Human Nature. That's awesome, man. Thank you. I think um, we as far as Human Nature goes, I mean we all grew up listening to Michael Jackson. Um, let's see, the Dream, Dreams one of collectively between air press and bad rabbits the dream is one of our favorite songwriters of all time um the walking on the moon cover smashing pumpkins it was a band we grew up on you know melancholy and the infinite sadness is is one of my favorite rock albums of all time um rock opera albums i guess whatever you want to call it <laughs> um, right and then f-tones is obviously a band we grew up on but that album specifically kind of brought a lot of older deftones fans back into loving that band yeah um me especially and i was already you know i was already friends with them at that time um you know we became peers at that time and we were bumping deftones diamond eyes on a stick up kids tour it was like one one routing or one leg of a stick up kids tour that album came out and we just bumped that in our shitty 15 passenger (laughs) van for like two months straight and then that actually put a lot of people, uh, two guys from Bad Rabbits that weren't really into Deftones before, it made them, that album made them Deftones fans. Um, so Diamond Eyes was, was a choice because of that. Um, and then we actually have another cover song coming out on Valentine's Day this year. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, it's actually, I, I can't really say, you just have to find out. I was going to say, that's fine yeah. if you can't tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely another one of those like oh that's that's weird but I think we did it in a cool way. I don't really think at this point. I mean, just the cross section of those three artists between Smashing Pumpkins, Deftones, and Michael Jackson. It's like if you were to look at that from any other band, you would almost be like, this doesn't make any sense. I think out of, from you guys, it's like you could literally play or cover. I think just about anything, and I wouldn't be like, wow, I'm shocked at that. It'd be like, all right, like so we're covering it. a we're covering a Mashuga song. Oh man, I'm like, I'm, well, like I'm trying to think. Like in my head, I'm like, okay, like what, what could you do? And then part of me is like, do you go back as far as like, you know, something off of like, new, like uh, was it New Millennium Side Night Christ? Like something off of that, like a Obzin, or do you go like something more like current? Yo, like... my fi- well, I was joking by the way, but oh. <laughs> uh, my uh, sorry, I'm I'm filling up some water. It sounds like I'm fishing, but I'm filling up some water in the jug. That's Hopefully fine. On the podcast. Um, so, my favorite Mathuga song is Quarter of Chameleon by far. Okay. Uh, that's one of the songs I've ever heard in my whole entire life. And that was the song that Dad Dad has bumped on one of our tours nonstop, and we beat the absolute shit out of each other in our van listening to that song. <laughs> um, so, yeah, cover song in February. Uh, on Valentine's Day, it's coming out, and then our album will come out this summer, and then we're gonna play a bunch of shows this summer. We're gonna go to the UK in the fall. Um, 
and we haven't told anybody any of those plans yet. So if anybody's listening to this, this is where they're going to listen to it first, I guess. All right. Um, so... I, I mean, people care about our band. I mean, I think they do based on what our conversation is, how our conversation is going now. We're talking about it and stuff. But I think a lot of our fans that were kind of thrown off by American Nightmare, um, it was definitely an album we needed to make. And I'm not saying we're never going to make a heavy album like that every ever again. I mean, I consider it a soul album, right? But I, uh, I'm not saying we're never going to make an album of that capacity again. But this next album definitely circles back to kind of where we came from. So, sorry, I'm picking up something I well, dropped. Not kind of, but like how our band, you know, the sound that our band started with. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think that's kind of been the one constant that you've talked about on this is just that basically you are done kind of like with a lot of the bullshit and are able to get back to, I think the thing that the original spark that made everyone, you know, that made stick up kids catch people's attention and so forth. So I, I'm excited to see where this record goes. Like I said, I, I don't think that you've put out a bad record at all. I think that it's interesting to, like I said, to me, the natural progression would have been like if you didn't have American Love, and it just went from Stick Up Kids to American Nightmare. I think that that's. I mean, while it's a darker record, I somehow well, feel like that's a more natural progression to me because it just seems like you know, and that's. I, I just think it's kind of one of those things. Like I think, like you know, and and having hindsight, I think makes it a lot easier to make these these claims. But sometimes I think like when you when you make a record, I think. I, th I just feel like maybe American Nightmare for me just feels like a, an album of the time that it came out. Like that there's just kind of you're, you're upset about some shit and, you know, not everything's great and, and there needs to be some real shit being said. And you guys made a real fucking honest record. And I think it's yeah. like I said, I think it's just a sign of the times. I think it, it was a when you're going to look back at it, you're going to be like, man, like, you know, there's a lot of honest music coming out around around this, like, you know, couple year gap. Because, I mean, we're looking at a lot of shit changing on a global level, like, you know, in our global climate of politics and shit and just, you know, our everyday life. And I think that that's a record that kind of reflects that. Yeah, I think that definitely it was the start of our whole kind of industry cleansing process. Right. And still, like I said, we're still we're, we're still kind of dealing with a little bit of, of uh, sorry, one second. Uh, we're still dealing with <laughs> the, I guess the, the ripple effect of some bad decisions, business decisions we made. Yeah. And we realized we're like, you know what? Let's just continue to work with people that, that that really want to fuck with us and have our back from day one. To, and that's why we circled back to working with Austin, working with Jimmy Laser, working with Brad Lewis, um, you know, working with Justin Beck. Um, I was, I actually even got in touch with our old, old manager, Jesse Corman from, he was a singer of the band, num the number 12 looks like you. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he, you know, like we had a that falling out with him at one point. Um, he, but he helped. He was a big part of putting the record Stick Up Kids together, and we, I'm friends with back friends with him again. You know, just cleansing ourselves of just like bad energy, bad blood, um, and just moving on. Like you know, working with people that want to work with us, not that have to work with us, or we're we're told to work with us by another person because it's cool. You know, right? So 
Um, yeah, I, I feel good about all the stuff that we have planned for this year, and I, we have enough music to plan for the next five years, honestly. Awesome. For, fortunately, we just weren't able to put it out until this year. <laughs> right. So, speaking yeah. of music, I always like to end these episodes with a song, so what would you like me to play this episode out to? Um... I'd say Naysayer by Architects. Okay. And maybe a little backstory on it. Is that like just a song you've been jamming a lot lately or something about it that you connect with? Um, our uh, tour manager in the UK played that for me in the UK when we were there. We were in a sprinter van. We put it on. And, and I don't know. I've been just kind of like digging back into to heavy music a little bit recently. Okay. And I was listening to that song the other day and I, I remembered how how nasty that song is so <laughs> that, that's the first song that came to my head that's okay one. and then uh socials where can uh everyone find you and or the band uh at Chad rabbits across the board all right well thank you for your time this evening talking with me and uh hopefully it wasn't too bad yeah man thank you for thank you for talking to me um sorry i'm just walking out of my apartment right now no worries um, uh, so yeah Thank you so much, man. I, I'm I'm really glad that you oh, that whole air press, the start of air press, and then leading up till now. It's been such a long time. It's been like almost ten years or something like that, maybe think, even more. Yeah, this thing has been um, a little over ten years. And thank you for continuing to support us, and keeping in touch. Yeah, I mean, it's easy when so, you yeah, make good music. You, <laughs> Hopefully, we'll see you. So, where do you live again? Great Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. Oh, Michigan. Oh, yeah, that's right, Grand Rapids. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, so yeah, let's let's keep in touch, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your night. So that was my chat with Shield V of Bad Rabbits and Irrepress. That was a really interesting chat for me. Um, like I said in the intro, and as you kind of heard in this episode as a whole, uh, I didn't really ask any questions. I just kind of, I basically started telling Shield that the questions I was gonna ask, and if he was cool with it, and then he just answered and, and kind of went. Uh, I think that speaks to the passion that Shield has uh, in regards to, you know, Bad Rabbits, what they've gone through over the last handful of years. I mean, it was really interesting for him to to kind of really open up and explain from an artist's perspective what it was like for the band to try to chase their dreams in a, in a different manner of, you know, having someone go like, hey, this is what you should be doing. If you follow X, Y, Z, this will be the outcome. And, you know, hearing that... Basically, they finished a record that sounds a lot like, you know, the Bruno Mars stuff that's coming out now or the Justin Timberlake stuff that's coming out now that has that early 90s sound to it and that people in the industry laughed at them. And it's really sad because, you know, it's like, you know, they were slightly ahead of their time. And I feel like if they were to put this shit out now, obviously it would it would hit because it's what's currently popular. And. You know, I think I said it in one of my other podcasts where it's kind of bittersweet that sometimes you put out something and you're, you know, you'll have a small niche amount of fans who support what you're doing, but it isn't until, you know, four, five, six, seven years later or 10 years later or after the band breaks up that it's like now you get the notoriety and the fandom that should have accompanied it from the gut, from the jump, except for now you're not around really to enjoy the spoils of, of your hard work and, and putting like the groundwork in on that specific sound or scene. And, you know, Bad Rabbits isn't doing anything new 
per se. You know, they're they're basically mining an old sound from the early '90s that you know a lot of us in our mid '30s or so grew up listening to, but they're doing it in a fresh way that I think is fun and interesting. And they're definitely a band that I feel like I'm hoping will get the recognition they deserve in the next handful of years. Uh, if they can keep making good music and so forth, and you know, buck industry standards, it was really, it was really a bummer to hear that basically the band kind of. Actually, I think let me take that back. I think it was really interesting to hear that basically, and a good telltale for any band that may be listening to this, that you know, when the band came out, they were doing their own thing, and people took notice and wanted to work with them. You know, the works, the likes of Teddy Riley, Chino Marinos, and so forth, people who have been doing their own thing for a long, long time in the industry. And if anything, I think when Shield basically says that, you know, it was when we decided to start listening to other people in the industry, try to be like, if you work with this producer, if you write these kind of songs, you know, it's going to get you this kind of outcome, only to not have it happen. And I think it obviously causes frustration as an artist. Uh, to know that you are on to something, but basically maybe that you're just you're not where you need to be at the right right time. And that would be really frustrating. And I think you can you can get a sense of that clearly uh, from listening to Shield talk about everything that the band's been going through, obviously with his back injuries that have been slowing down the band a little bit. Uh, it was really interesting to hear that he basically said that he gave the band full full permission to look for another drummer so that they can continue and that the band has stuck with him. Uh, waiting for him to recover from his injuries to move forward with him as the unit that that is Bad Rabbits currently. Uh, I think that speaks volumes to, you know, the band being a band of brothers and being the bond being stronger than than anybody else that you could just plug in so you can ride the success that you're currently having or whatever. I think we see that a lot in today's music industry too. Like, oh, this person's holding us back. Well, fuck it, fire him. I own the name. Continue on. Rinse, repeat, whatever. So... Um, but the real reason, actually, that I am getting this episode out, um, I just <laughs> literally just got off the plane from L.A., uh, and within the last, I think I've been home for about 20 minutes now, uh, but the whole reason that we are, we did this podcast, uh, and we are putting it out now, is because as of when you were listening to this, there's a new Bad Rabbits track out, as I said in the intro. Uh, it is a cover of Rihanna's Love on the Brain, so this continues on with their, their covers series of sorts. And for some, this may be an odd song for the the band to cover, but I think given the nature that they've covered Human Nature by Michael Jackson, Smashing Pumpkins, and Deftones, I think this fits right in with where their sound is and kind of showcases their broad range of musical influences as far as who they listen to and what they're able to pull off. So for me, it's not really that big of a surprise. I think uh, the surprise really was when Rihanna came out with a song initially, it was a song that I didn't think she would do stylistically. Um, but became quickly one of my favorite songs off of that record that it was on. And I think it's a great vehicle to showcase the band's tightness uh, as far as being a live band and also showcasing Dua's range, uh, which is something that is pretty impressive in and of itself. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe this will, you know, once again, like some of the other covers that they have on their YouTube channels and such, uh, will get a different fan base in front of the band, and maybe they will go down the, the rabbit hole, no pun intended, of finding this band's back catalog and seeing how great they really are and falling in love, no pun intended again, uh, with uh, this this music that this band has been making consistently for a while. And maybe those who may not be familiar with this band who are listening to this, I don't know if Bad Rabbits or any of those dudes are going to share this, but uh, if any of you are not familiar with Irrepress 
or didn't know any of the stuff going on with with Bad Rabbits, I really hope that you stick with them. Um, God damn, I'm just killing it with these uh, Bad Rabbit song titles <laughs> or album titles. I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> uh, not meaning to, but uh, I really do hope that you know they have a really good loyal fan base. A lot of people love this band uh, in a live setting and in in their discography as a recorded band, but. I really do hope good things for this band, starting with this single, hopefully catching on, hopefully getting the attention of a lot of different people. I hope band people who listen to this, uh, interestingly enough, I know JM and the Body Rampant Dudes, uh, if you go back and listen to that podcast I did with him, uh, he's kind of basically just went through the same shit that the BR camp went through with a label, you know, they basically got out of the label deal that they were on and are just putting up this new record that's been been sat on for like two years uh, they're putting it out, I believe, this upcoming Friday, and, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see we're in a world where the artists can take back and do their own thing and still have success at it uh, with the digital age that we live in, being able to put things out uh, and getting to the audience directly. Um, I mean, we see a lot of businesses doing it with, you know, direct-to-consumer, and I'm loving the fact that bands are able to do that more so now than ever, so uh, I think it's a great thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, actually, it would be great to maybe see Bad Rabbits and The Body Rampant do some shit. Um, I think those are two really diverse bands, but somehow I think they both would work. And I think, actually, if they if the, if the people in the members involved have never actually hung out with each other, I think they would all actually get along. So I'm going to say this, 2018, Bad Rabbits, uh, Body Rampant, make that shit fucking happen. Uh, so... Uh, without further ado, I'm going to kind of get done with my ramblings. So if you would like to follow Bad Rabbits and keep up with them, uh, the new song is going to be, like I said, Love on the Brain by Rihanna. I don't know as of right now of when I'm recording this the night before this all this shit drops. I don't know how they're they're releasing everything. I would assume they're just going to put it up for free because uh, obviously with covers and a lot of you know legalities of, of that, uh, you can't monetize this kind of shit. So... Uh, chances are, if you just go to Bad Rabbits, across the board, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, it's all Bad Rabbits, uh, you will probably see this song and a link to download it or whatever, however they make it available. I'm assuming it's going to be uh, potentially just like the other cover songs where it's like available on YouTube um, or so forth. But uh, it is awesome. The cover art for this single is awesome. Uh, I will be posting it somewhere when I post this episode. Uh, So we're going to actually end this episode with the cover of the new Bad Rabbits track, uh, which, again, is uh, Love on the Brain. It's a Rihanna cover. And if you like this band, please, please, please go support them. Go follow them across their socials. Go listen to their back catalog. Support them. They have a ton of great vinyl, whether it be through Mind Over Matter Records, uh, Enjoy the Ride Records. They do everything. Seven inches, the 12 inches. They got sweet merch. Um... Yeah, just basically go support this band. Uh, as you heard she'll say, they're basically all self-funded, you know, independent band in every sense of the word. So support this band, and they will be able to continue to do awesome shit. And if you would like to throw some support to Moshpit Nation, our partner of the podcast, you can follow them over on moshpitnation.com. You can find this podcast there. You can follow them on Facebook at Mosh Pit Nation West, capital M-I. And Instagram and Twitter is easily enough, Mosh Pit Nation. If you would like to follow me, you can do such on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube over at John's Entitled Podcast. You can tweet at me at John's Entitled Pod. And you can also email me at John's Entitled Pod at gmail.com. 
If you actually are following me on Twitter, uh, you saw my basically random musings uh, as I was wandering around on this trip between the gentleman who had the Chinese chopstick sleeves as a tie uh, while I was waiting in the airport uh, and many other things. Uh, so like I said, I, I'm always trying to be diverse and uh, different with my stuff I post across the various socials. Um, so if you would like to follow me and keep in contact, that'd be great. Uh, I will definitely be talking about my trip to L.A. on the next podcast. But without further ado, we're going to end this episode as we always do with a song. Actually, as we've been doing the last couple episodes, we're going to end it with two songs. So this first one is, is Naysayer by Architects, which is what she'll wanted me to end it to. And then as soon as that's done, we are going to play the new Bad Rabbits track, Love on the Brain, their cover of Rihanna. So with that, we'll talk to you next week. You like, I know what I am Something, a person When I like, in the dark You simply never make a difference My brain is not out and to find
just to get close to you Can we burn something, babe? I'll run for miles just to get a day Must be love on the Get a day. 